Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode 239. Oh man, it's finally here. This is it. One of the most fun times of a Dynasty season. All 32 teams have uh, reported their training camps are underway which is officially hype season. So now over the next bunch of weeks, what I'm going to do on these podcasts is just talk to you about all the hype that's happening, what things to believe, what things not to believe. It's going to be a blast. As a dynasty freak, I highly recommend, highly, highly recommend that you start following the NFL beat writers. It's called NFL beat writers on Twitter because they're constantly posting uh, highlights and information from all 32 training camps. It's a blast. Now, you might want to turn your notifications off because you're probably going to get a couple hundred of them a day, but so fun when you go back and look at them and see what's happening with all the players. And you know as dynasty managers that we must be careful about what, you know, about not to believe everything. We can't believe everything that we see or everything the reporters or coaches or players say. However, you know, having too much information is better than, you know, staying in the dark and having no information. And so the trick is to parse through the hype to determine what's believable and what is just pure hype during this part of the season. So what I'm going to do throughout the training camp and into the preseason, I'm going to do these uh, podcasts each week and give my thoughts on about 20 different uh, players that I think are receiving hype during the previous week in training camp. And so I'm going to give you my best take on what is believable and what is not believable. So here are my thoughts on 20 players after looking at week number one in training camp. Believe the hype or don't believe the hype? First, we'll go with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, running backs for Washington. Brian Robinson told reporters that he's, quote, feeling healthier and more prepared than, than this time than the start of last season. Well, do you think, <laughs> you think, uh, after getting shot twice in the leg and in the glute after a carjacking weeks before the season started, I'd hope that Robinson feels better going into this season. Robinson, you know, amazingly returned to play in week five after being shot twice, which is crazy. But last season, he immediately became their leading back when he came in. He averaged 17 carries per game, replacing Antonio Gibson as the as the team's RB1. Robinson, I think, will start this season healthier, as he says. How can you not be healthier after gunshots? And I think he's going to pick up where he left off last season. I think he's going to be the team's first and second down back. And if you uh, listened to me two weeks ago, uh, talked about, or no, it was, uh, sorry, it was last week that Antonio Gibson uh, told reporters that he expects to take, quote, the third down role for the Commanders. And I think he's right. Uh, Gibson caught 46 passes last year compared to Robinson's nine. So big disparity right there between those two. Add to that the fact that J.D. McKissick uh, did not re-sign with the team and he had 27 receptions last year. I think it makes perfect sense that Gibson's right. He's going to take on McKissick's role and he's going to have what I would say would probably be like a 75 reception season, uh, making his dynasty stock rise again after it fell significantly last year. I believe, you know, what we heard out of Commander's Camp is, is true. Robinson's going to be the first and second down back. Gibson's going to be the passing down back. The only difference is that Gibson's going to have more now that they have McKissick out of the picture. This is going to be the one-two punch in Washington. I believe the hype in what we heard this week. Second would be uh, Rashad Penny. 
Penny reportedly received first team reps and the first carries in training camp for the Eagles. Now, you can't weigh too much into that, but it's just funny when people report on who it was. But this is the fact. I think the Penny is the best running downs back. He's the best runner on the Eagles squad. Uh, I think that he's going to start the season as their primary rusher. But still, um, that's not tilting the dynasty skills for me because I don't think that he can stay healthy as he's proven throughout his career. Plus, I think the Eagles will try to keep him healthy by rotating three or four of the other running backs. DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell, they're going to be more involved in the Eagles passing game, I believe. Uh, They'll also spell Penny, though, a lot on first and second down carries just because that's what the Eagles do. The Eagles running back rotation makes me want to sell all of my shares of Eagles backs. Add to that the fact that we all know that uh, Jalen Hurts is their best goal line running back. You could say their best goal line scorer. And the passing tree for them is very narrow with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard soaking up almost all the targets. That even makes the passing down backs see limited targets compared to what they might be in other offenses. I'm all out on the Eagles running backs, though I'm sure that there will be very, you know, there was it's going to be a few that have very productive weeks, but you just don't know which week it's going to be for which player. I'm glad that Penny got the first touch, supposedly. I do think that he's their best running back, running downs back, and will get started at that. Other than that, though, I think the Philly running back backfield is pretty much a mess. Third is uh, James Conner. Uh, Conner's, um, <laughs> the Cardinals head coach, Jonathan Gannon, he said, quote, he's 100% confident that James Conner will be a bell cow running back. Now, that's a lot to ask for a 28-year-old running back, but I think that is how Gannon intends to use Conner. I don't think that he can handle the load, though, without getting injured. Uh, injured. That's why I added Corey Coleman to almost all of my rosters last week in all of my leagues. Clement is the second on the depth chart behind Conner. If you go to our lads, that's what they predict. Um, and though Connor's dynasty managers just don't believe that because I looked at all my rosters and Keontae Ingram kind of hook him horns. I can't really claim him as a Longhorns. He didn't finish with the Longhorns, but Keontae Ingram, uh, he played. Uh, most people think that he's the one that's rostered behind Connor, but I really think that Clement has a chance to be the one that's actually going to be the backup behind Connor. Here's why. Ingram uh, played 11 games last season and only touched the ball 31 times as a rookie. Clement, uh, you know, played five games, so half the number of games, but he had 20 touches. So we're talking about five touches compared to three touches, not, not or four touches compared to three touches. Not that big a deal. Neither player impressed last season backing up Connor because Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams played more than they you know, more than them when Connor was injured. Benjamin and Williams are no longer with the team though, so Ingram and Clement will benefit if Connor is injured this year. Ingram in the second year. So there's definitely a reason why Dynasty managers have held on to him to see what he can do. That makes total sense. I agree with that. But Clement is the same age as Connor, but he's had a few standout games in his career while bouncing around to several different teams. And one of the two, you know, is going to benefit from this role if Connor gets hurt, if the Cardinals get hurt. So I'm just very glad to have the cheapest option on the team. That's Clement, who, while not, you know, an excellent Dynasty play, could help teams this season if the, quote, bell cow, as Gannon says, uh, gets injured. Next, we'll go to Alexander Madison. Uh, definitely moved into a starting role with a moving of Dalvin Cook, cut of, cut of Dalvin Cook. And this week, the Vikings offensive coordinator told reporters that he sees Madison as a, quote, every down back. And I believe him. Uh, Madison's going to step directly into Dalvin Cook's role from last year. I really believe that. He's finally going to get a chance to start. And the question in Minnesota, though, will be who will back him up? Because the second thing we'll talk about is Kenny Wagu. 
the reporters from camp last week indicated that Kenny Nguagu appears to be Madison's backup ahead of Ty Chandler and ahead of Dwayne McBride. And if so, this is a big surprise to Dynasty managers who swooped up Ty Chandler after off the waiver wire and bumped up McBride in their rookie rankings after Cook got cut. I saw that a lot. When Cook got cut, man, a lot of people went in and picked up Ty Chandler if he was still out there. And then I saw Dwayne McBride kind of rise up the rookie rankings kind of when that happened and people were starting to take him a little bit earlier if he had later rookie drafts. So unlike Clement, like I talked about, and Wangu is uh, rostered in most of my leagues, including a few where I you know, saw that he was wisely picked up by a few managers based on this news that was coming out. So last week he was picked up a lot. While I don't have many shares of Vikings backs, my bet is still on Ty Chandler to be the backup to Madison. So I'm not quite sure that I believe this hype. As most honestly managers think, uh, I think that Ty, Ty Chandler is going to be the guy that's the actual backup. But I can see why Nguangu is a player worth watching the rest of training camp and into the preseason. If he is the backup, that's going to be pretty significant. He's an outstanding kick returner, and at this time he could get more chances to prove himself as an actual running back weapon too. would be pretty exciting, um, though I'm still betting on Ty Chandler instead. Next player to talk about some hype is Tank Bigsby. Uh, coaches and reporters have indicated that Tank Bigsby has already won the RB2 role in Jacksonville. One coach said that he had to rewind film. He had to rewatch Bigsby's play again and again just because they saw that this is exactly what they wanted to pair with Travis Etienne. And I believe it. Uh, I already regret not being higher on Bigsby in my rookie rankings than I thought I was. Bigsby, I think, will be the Jaguars' goal line back and short yardage back, making him almost like a flex-worthy player right away in his rookie year. And if ETM were to get injured, man, he'd be an every-week starter right away. The Jaguars' offense, I think, is going to improve more this year as it had did last year. And with Bigsby and Calvin Ridley, more on him later, in the mix, uh, they're going to be far more scoring opportunities than they had last year. And Bigsby's going to be, like I said, the goal line back. I believe the hype on Bigsby, and I've been drafting him in many of my best ball drafts since I didn't get him in my, I didn't get him in so many of my rookie drafts. Um, but I've been drafting him in a lot in all my best ball drafts, and I hope to draft him in my one remaining rookie draft. I'm hoping that that one remaining rookie bit, rookie draft, I'm going to get on Bigsby, where I wasn't as high on him as I should have been before. This next one's fun, Jameer Gibbs. Um, I might be a bit biased here uh, because I drafted Gibbs at 1.2 in one rookie draft this season. I plan to draft him in my one remaining draft where I had the 1.2. That's definitely going to be Gibbs for me, and unless there's some miracle that Bichon doesn't go first, but Bichon's going to go first in my home league with a bunch of UT grads. Uh, hook em horns. Gibbs, though, uh, man, I just believe the hype on Gibbs after watching part of the pre-draft interview with the Lions. I don't know if you saw this or not. They, they released a pre-draft interview that they had with him with the coaching staff. It was amazing. I saw, uh, we saw on draft night how excited the you know Lions coaches were when they drafted him. You saw them all celebrate, so happy that they got him. But then this last week, the Lions released part of a pre-draft interview with Gibbs where he answered questions about one, like how to carry the ball and secure the ball so you don't fumble. But then they asked him a bunch of questions, too, on how to best pass protect. They had him stand up and show how he would do it. And Gibbs' answers to the questions, as well as just his general professionalism in the interview, got me more and more excited about him as a prospect, uh, as did it did as it did for the coaching staff, who during that video, they raved about his responses to the interview. So I'm, you know, I know more now about why they were excited to draft him and why we saw that great celebration when they drafted him. 
Uh, it's a huge. He's going to be a huge part of the offense. They have plans for him, and I'm all around believing this hype train. Jump on board, man. Gibbs is going to be awesome. He's you know definitely not as good as as uh, Bijan's going to be, but man, what a great second pick of the draft. I'm excited to have him in one of my leagues, and we'll have him in another unless some crazy trade goes down. Here we go. James Cook is the next player I'd like to talk about. The Bills' offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, told reporters that James Cook has three down potential, but I'm calling Blarney. Blarney, Blarney, Blarney on this. The Bills already showed their hand in signing Damian Harris and Latavius Murray this offseason, proving that they want bigger and stronger back to complement Cook. Uh, they need more of a short yardage and red zone back, particularly if they're trying to keep Josh uh, Allen from being the you know goal line back for them. They need running downs back to make their offense more balanced in the run and, pa- run and pass game. James Cook is not built for that. And so I think he's going to concede that role to Damian Harris or who's the player that I think is going to do it. I'm going to put myself out on an island on this one, but I think that Harris is going to have more productive fantasy season than Cook will this year. And he's the best back to have uh, for the season on this Bills team. And if he plays well, as I expect that he will, and if he was to sign a new contract with the Bills, Damian Harris I'm talking about, as a result, he's going to be the best dynasty back on the team. Dynasty value greater than Cook as well. Maybe not right now, but if he gets a long-term contract, that will be the case. I do not believe the hype here on Ken Dorsey's saying that, that James Cook's going to be a three-down back. Don't believe it. Next running back would be, you can tell I'm going by running back. I'm going by position here, so talking running backs here. Next is Daenerys Pierce. Pierce, quote, wowed the coaches and reporters during training camp. And I believe that he has. I'm not, I'm not going to say that he hasn't. But I think that the hype is not going to move the needle at all for me in dynasty value. The Chiefs running back room is one of the most crowded and unpredictable in fantasy Andrew Reid has toyed with fantasy managers ever since losing Kareem Hunt, the last reliable fantasy running back that he's had on his teams. Um, I would not be surprised even if Clyde Edwards-Alaire just bounces back this year and sees his dynasty value rise again after falling to the deepest depths that it has last season. Nor would I be surprised to see Jarek McKinnon pick up where he did at the end of last season. Isaiah Pacheco is the chief starter, I do believe that, but his lack of involvement in the passing game significantly deems his fantasy production as well as his dynasty value. Um, as I am with the Eagles' backfield, I'm completely out on the Chiefs' backfield. Even if Prince is the cheapest, and if he gets all the hype during this offseason, I'm great for that, but I'm not interested in buying in. Another player I am interested in buying in, though, is Sean Tucker. Todd Bowles, uh told reporters this week that Sean Tucker has been cleared to play and that he's going to jump right into the mix immediately and that he has every chance to make the team. I could not be happier to hear this news since Tucker was one of my favorite sleepers this year. He was a top 12 player in my rookie rankings until that heart issue was discovered and until he went undrafted. Still, he signed with the perfect team whose depth chart is not solidified. I'm convinced that he's the best running back on the team and will earn not only just earn a roster spot, but he's going to take a leading role by the end of the season. That is, if this heart thing really isn't a big deal. Uh, this week's the last chance. This is it. This week is the last chance that you're going to have to buy Tucker because once uh, the, the preseason starts, you see him on the field, I think things are going to change. So I sent a lot of trade offers last week. I'm going to send a lot more this week because it's the last chance to get in on Sean Tucker. Let's move to receivers now. Uh, first would be Calvin Ridley. Ridley, you know, reportedly impressed his teammates and his coaches appearing back to prime health, prime conditioning, prime route running. Ridley was once one of the best route runners in the league before getting injured and then, of course, suspended. It's been nearly two years since he played in the NFL game, and he's now 28 years old. But it's not hard to believe that he's back 
and back to his old self and has maybe two or three more productive years for our for our dynasty crowd. Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, though, were very productive last season and have really provided tough competition for Ridley. But if you're to believe reporters, Ridley's already passed them by. So it's hard to trust a player that you've not seen in two years, that's for sure. But he's a player worth believing in, I think. If there is one, it's Ridley. I'm buying into the training camp hype here, but the hype has moved him out of my price range. So I'd be willing to pay for him. You know, I, I, The price range that I'd be willing to pay for him at this age is just not enough. I think the hype is built too hard. The basic fact is I think that those who have Ridley are going to keep Ridley. He's going to be very hard to trade for. Dynasty managers who endured two years of him on their bench, you know, they're seeing this news come out this week and they want to see the reward of their patience. And so I'm sure that's going to be very hard to trade for him. I don't have any shares of Ridley. I wish that I did. And I was one of those guys that was patient with him. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Let me know. Hit me up, dynastyfreaks.com if you see any uh, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, that is, if you see any trades for Ridley. I'd be very curious to see uh, what people have to pay to get him now that the hype is building. Next would be Zay Flowers. Uh, Flowers has been the standout in training camp while Rashad Bateman sits out, injured again, so frustrating. And while the Ravens, you know, take it easy a little bit with OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., this is no surprise to me. Uh, What's better to hear, though, is that the Ravens beat reporters uh, is that they're talking about the pace of the offense being uh, increased immensely. As expected, Todd Monken's offense, you know, is going to change the way the Ravens play. An increased pace is just what the doctor ordered for dynasty managers with Ravens on their team. Flowers, I think, is going to come Lamar Jackson's best underneath target this season, which is what he's ideally suited for, suited to do. Uh, running routes, his great route running, and his great spatial awareness within zones. Bateman, Beckman, Andrew, and Mark Andrews, they're going to stretch the field, leaving Flowers as a reliable check down with excellent run after the catch ability. Everything I expected out of Flowers and the changes in the offensive scheme that, that are happening, according to reporters, it's exactly what I expected, everything that I expected. So I'm believing the hype because I believed it before it happened. <laughs> Next would be Gabriel Davis. Uh, Davis told reporters that he feels much better this season after being hampered, he said, by an ankle injury much of last year's season. I'm not sure the ankle injury is solely to blame for his lack of production last year and after his incredible end of the 2021 season, uh, but I fully expect that he's going to bounce back this season, increase on his dynasty value. Headed into, tw- headed into 2022, Davis's dynasty value was way higher than it should have been because of the crazy ending in 2021, but now it's fallen way lower than it should be. Despite drafting Dalton Kincaid, I still believe that Davis is going to be the second most targeted player on the Bills. Davis's dynasty value dropped even more this offseason when Kincaid was drafted. So I'd be trying to buy Davis while the stock is so low right now, and people expect that Kincaid is going to become Allen's second favorite target. I'm on an island with this one. I'll take it. It's, a, it's my take. I'm on an island, but I think he's going to be the second most targeted player, which is why Davis is a player at a very reasonable price now that I'd be trying to buy. Don't know if his ankle was really the cause of things, but I'm very hopeful that he's going to bounce back uh, this next year. Next player will be Jalen Reed. Uh, Jaden Reed, rather. Jaden Reed uh, secured a role in a slot position um, and apparently told reporters that he's enjoying the role. I thought that Reed would start from day one as for the Packers, and I was right. Uh, Even so, as I talked about on a podcast two weeks ago, I believe Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are going to be the most productive receivers in the team. However, 
I want to follow the team during training camp. I really follow this one closely and during the preseason to see if I'm right. I'm very open to the possibility that Reed could establish himself as a top one or two target of Jordan Love. Uh, the entire offense is going to be different from last year, so the Packers are one of the least predictable teams in fantasy right now from a fantasy perspective. I'm glad that Reed has established a starting role already, as I expected, and now I want to see if he can exceed my expectations that I have for Watson and Dobbs. Uh, he very well could. I don't predict it right now, but I'm going to be very open to this one. Look forward to seeing what happens with Reed the rest of this offseason. Next is Rashi Rice. The Athletic reports that Rashi Rice led all wide receivers in first-team reps during the first week of training camp. Uh, granted, Kadarius Coney injured his knee during the middle of that week, had surgery since, but still, that's saying something. If it's true, you know, that's, some, that's definitely saying something if he had the most reps at first team. Here's what I think, though. Andy Reid's offense is very complex for rookies to learn. I think he's been hesitant to give rookies sizable roles in their first year in the scheme. And given Reid's history, I'm not buying this hype. I watched the videos of Rice making great contested catches during training camp, and I believe that's what he does best, and that's what he offers the team. But I find it really hard to believe that, that Reed will call on Rice as a starter to begin the season. And as I talked about two weeks ago, I don't trust the Chiefs wide receivers in fantasy, nor do I value them highly in dynasty. Travis Kelsey is effectively their wide receiver one, and everyone else is about as productive as a wide receiver three, especially since they involve the running back so much. It's true that Juju Smith-Schuster you know, had a fairly reliable uh, wide receiver two role in dynasty lineups last season. Um, and one of the Chiefs receivers could do so much as to get into that wide receiver two safe zone uh, next year, but I'm just not confident which one it will be, not willing to take this risk on it, not buying the hype that Rashi Rice is going to be the guy just yet. One more receiver than two tight end, uh, three tight ends. Uh, first would be Michael Wilson, the last receiver I'll talk about. Michael Wilson is reportedly getting reps with the first team on the offense. Uh, to say this, of course, is of course he is, because their wide receiver depth chart is so weak. Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and Greg Dortch appear to have starting roles locked down, but for a team that's rebuilding, has a ton of draft picks next year, it would be very wise for them to have their third round draft pick that they may uh, be active. You know, see what they have in their third round draft pick. Wilson, while not on my rookie draft board until the Cardinals made this shocking pick in the third round, uh, they're just betting on him, you know, his recruiting pedigree going into college and his few standout games he had before all the injuries that he had in college. It's true that the videos of, the, of his uh, route running that I've seen uh, from the 32 beat reporters, the NFL 32 beat reporters, the videos I've shown of his route running definitely have me intrigued. And some of the catches that he's made during this first week of training camp have made me wish that I had just a share of two of him because I definitely don't right now. I think that he's going to play a lot this season um, unless he gets injured again. If he doesn't battle with injury, he's going to play a lot because the, the Cardinals need to see what they have in him. So him getting first team reps, I believe it. He might actually be in the first team day one. We'll see what happens. Moving now to a few tight ends, uh, Darren Waller. This one's pretty easy. Reporters at training camp say that Dan Daniel Jones only has eyes for Waller. Uh, he's there. He's his first read almost every time. Uh, given the mediocre receiving courts in New, core in uh, New York, I believe it. Uh, I thought Waller would become the Giants' top target before training camp started, so these reports are merely an affirmation of my thinking. Uh, if Waller, you know, it can remain healthy this season, he's sure to be a top five tight end in fantasy. Definitely going to be a top five tight end again, as he was two years ago uh, with the Raiders. Sterling Shepard was Jones' safety blanket the first two years of the, uh, that he had with the Giants, but now he's not really had one since. 
and Waller is this new security blanket. I'm convinced of it. I think he's going to get 7 to 10 targets per game this season. I'm buying all the hype on Waller. Wish I had him. Don't have him on any of my nine dynasty teams. And wish that I did. We'll hit two at once here. Sam Laporta and Luke Musgrave to close this out. Uh, beat writers have reported that Laporta and Musgrave have already won starting tight end positions on their teams for the Lions and the Packers. Uh, these reports come as no surprise to me given the draft capital and the lack of talent ahead of them on the depth charts for sure. I think both are going to become streaming tight ends in their rookie year already, uh, and their positions themselves will move themselves up in the dynasty rankings this year for sure. For sure, I like Laporta's chances to become you know fantasy relevant from day one since I really trust Jared Goff more than I trust Jordan Love so far. Uh, the Lions' offense is already in motion and improving greatly, while the Packers' offense is kind of a work in progress right now. I think Musgrave's going to take a little bit more time to become fantasy relevant, but he will uh, do so by the end of the year. Uh, the NFL and fantasy leagues have desperately needed more productive tight ends, and this year's class, I think, is immediately going to help, particularly with Laporta, Musgrave, and Michael Mayer, who you've talk, heard me talk plenty about. Uh, those are the players that I've been following this week. So that's it for this week, weekend number one. So fun to be this part of the season when all the, the hype is you know, going around to different players. Follow the 32 beat writers, follow others. Uh, keep listening to this podcast and others so that you can get an idea of what some of the people who are following this pretty closely think. I do appreciate your support, appreciate your listening, and take time to rate and review the podcast would, mean, would be a great privilege for me. Uh, that's a wrap for this week, Freaky Friends. Uh, thanks so much for, for listening. Do contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two e's at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, or should we call it X now? Who knows? Again, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review. I'm an independent podcaster. It means a lot to me. All right. Thanks for staying tuned. Thanks for following. Uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.